We are given one life, full of billions of small and large decisions, to be somebody, to change, to be kind, to give hope, to become a better person, and to leave a lasting impact on this planet. It is a decision to be made every single day while your heart is still beating. We've made our decision. Absence of clothing. Atheist and science-based apparel and merchandise. Donating 50% of our profits to charity. Look good and feel good, without God. Check us out at absenceofclothing.com and find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest for discount codes and other sweet swag. Speaking of discount codes and sweet swag, why don't you head on over to absenceofclothing.com, type in the promo code EVILTWINS, and you will get 10% off. Not only will you get 10% off, but you're going to do something good for the world. Please give back, people. Hey, Brad. What's up? I know you're really getting into this whole beer thing now, aren't you? A little. Well, Old Town Brewing has done something amazing. What's that? They are the gold medal winners at the Great American Brew Festival in 2015. Wow, that's pretty impressive. They've created a beer called Shanghai IPA. Shanghai? Shanghai. Okay. It refers to the tunnels underneath the uh, Old Town Brewing residence in Old Town Portland. Nice. So take a sip of this bad boy. <sighs> that's pretty damn good. Do you like notes of floral? I like notes of floral. Citrus? It's pretty good. What about grapefruit? Nah. Well, this lightly sweet, heavily hopped beer is the one for you then, minus the grapefruit. Cool. So why don't you go ahead and go over to Old Town Brewing, check out their beer, check out their pizza, check out all the shit they do. The information contained in this podcast is for entertainment use only. Please don't take a single word these two assholes say seriously. I'm Thad. I'm Brad. And we are the Evil Twin Podcast. Well, what's the goal here? To continue making as much money as they can for as long as they can before they get busted. First of all, props to you for knowing about the Septuagint and the Vulgate. Yeah. So I'm beyond third grade? Wait. <laughs> we're, we're saying first year graduate school here. Like, that was, that was impressive. Yeah. Some of the most compelling theories of personal identity rooted essentially in your preferences, your likes, your dislikes, your experiences, your memories. That's, that's essentially who you are. That's all you are. And then the most unexpected to me... But delightful, this emergence of ayahuasca. In understanding the self, or in creating an image of the self, we also create an image of the other or the not-self simultaneously. So we, we create subject and object in the same moment. But really, this teaches us that we create our own environments, that we gravitate toward those things in our environments that please us based on who we are genetically speaking. You know, in yoga, people say namaste, the Sanskrit word for the divine in me honors the divine in you. It's the same concept. When enough of us live from our ruach, from our divine connection, we can't help but repair the world. Welcome to the Evil Twin Podcast. It's time for Evil Twin News. Donald Trump to join the Oregon Terrorists. Presidential candidate and self-made outlaw Donald Trump, a.k.a. the Donald, has decided to join the armed occupation of a federal building at the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. If you can't beat him, join him, I always say, exclaimed the Donald as he boarded his 757 emblazoned with Trump in golden letters and a huge red T on the four-story tall tail. 
An official in the Trump campaign told Evil Twin News that Mr. Trump's plans are to infiltrate the group, build a suitable structure for them such as an 18-hole golf course with a 45,000-square-foot clubhouse, offering stately locker rooms, a stunning pro shop, three dining options, and a shooting range. I'm going to make sure strong patriotic people like these folks have a fabulous place to prepare against the real threat to our country, brown people. Sup? Not much, what's up? Welcome back to the Evil Twin Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We had a little bit of a break there. Yeah. Just like not like a, a week where we almost didn't put out an episode. Yeah, so we're back. We took a week off. That was the first week off we've taken for, uh, I think, since we started doing this. Yeah. Or since last, uh, I don't last know. February. Oh, yeah. actually, we, I think May, we had one maybe. week off. Yeah, like last May. But um, So it was actually nice to take a little bit of a break. We could kind of... Do get, other things. Do other things and get a little <laughs> f- refocused. Yeah. And I mean, I think we were still definitely working on stuff oh, yeah. for the podcast and that arranging ends. future interviews and, and doing stuff, but we just yeah. didn't, didn't record anything. So. Tell you what, I'm fucking stoked, dude, to talk to Rick Strassman. Yeah, dude. It's an it's going to be a fucking amazing honor and privilege. For so many years, I have... like been reading this these this dude's books yeah watching the the fucking spirit molecule documentary, documentary yeah. and um listening to interviews that he's given on other podcasts and stuff like that and i'm fucking so excited to talk to him yeah and if um if you've heard of rick strassman before then you might know why we're so excited to talk to him you know if you know who he is then you probably yeah you understand and, and if you don't know who he is rick strassman is um Basically, he was a professor down at the uh, University of Santa Fe, I believe. Maybe we should double check that. Anyways, um, can you do that while while we're doing? And um, back in the 90s, he had the first and only basically um, government-sponsored research project on dimethyltryptamine. And he was able to take dozens of uh, research... um, what what would they be candidates uh volunteers volunteers yep. and through the process of a dmt experience and in that um was able to find out some really in- interesting information um then wrote a book about that um and then the book became a documentary the book was called the spirit molecule and then the documentary was dmt the spirit molecule mm-hmm. and um yeah so that's what we're going to be talking about in the next this this episode, and then we're going to have some future episodes that are going to be, um, like, this is going to be a very uh, multiple part episode, but they're not going to be back to back. We're going to have this first part now, and then we're going to have another podcast about a different topic, and then we're going to have some, we're going to integrate these they're not going to be flowing. How do I say that? Yeah. They're not going to flow like a normal multi-part series. They're right. going to be kind of intermixed. Into- We're going to take them as they come, um, you know, in, in terms of scheduling interviews and stuff like that. Back when we did the the Mormonism series, yeah. we were able to sort of make it work and have all of these these interviews within a couple-week period, and then we turned them into multiple episodes. Um, and this one, we're just going to take it as it comes. We have three... Um, Pretty high-profile. Yeah. Um, interview subjects to 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 talk to so it's going to be it's it's a little harder to nail them down on time and to organize it all so yeah yeah anyways i think it'll make it fun yeah to kind of 
maybe not do DMT for three weeks in a row. Right. That could get kind of boring. Yeah. Anyways. But, for most and it will give someone something to look forward to. Yeah. Hopefully. You know? If they look forward to it. Yeah. I don't know. I guess if they're <laughs> listening, they look forward to it. Maybe. But, um, yeah. So why don't we talk about how we found out about this and, um, our experience with it? <clears throat> yeah. So, um, Years ago, I got into listening to <clears throat> Martin Ball's podcast. We had him on um, back when back we were talking last about August. psilocybin mushrooms. Yeah. And he came on to talk about psilocybin mushrooms. But I was interested in what he had to say on his podcast because he was talking to people about this subject of DMT. Mm-hmm. And I had I got turned on to DMT. I can't remember exactly yeah, you where I first talking heard about, about this. it. I remember you. we were like, 34 or 5 when you first mentioned it to me. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And you started talking about this. And I was like, dude, there's no fucking way. Because at that point, I had barely even smoked pot, let alone right. done any other. I mean, I had experiment. I had done like, um, you know, ecstasy mm-hmm. a couple times and shit like that. But I really have a, I'm pretty minimal on my drug <laughs> background. Right. And so I was like, fuck you, dude. I'm not trying that shit because yeah. it's probably going to like, you know, fuck with your mind or whatever. And then you started doing a bunch of research and which led me to obviously want to do my own yeah, look into it. And, um, well, when you hear about the, the experiences that people have on this, yeah, it's like, it doesn't make you want to do it. No. You know what I mean? I mean, there's this there. If you're curious enough, you, you will want to. Yeah. But, um, you know, and we're not here to promote this. No, we're not here we're saying not everyone should do everybody it. Everybody should do it. As a matter of fact, I think you should only do it if, if you really, really feel called. I don't even know what I meant when I said that, but, um, to, to do it, because mm-hmm. if, if you don't like really feel like this is something you want to do, just it's, skip to the next episode yeah. don't even listen to this you know one. it's kind of that whole matrix thing the yeah. blue pill and the red pill thing you know and if you're not a hundred percent sure you want to take that take red that, pill yeah then that's you, funny that you say that because that that's exactly how i kind of think about my life yeah and uh, like before dmt i was a blue pill guy mm-hmm. and then <laughs> i decided to take the red pill and yeah. i can never go back now to yeah the blue you can't pill. you can't go back <laughs> You can't go back. So ex- explain a little bit to people um, what what DMT is and um, and let's let's talk about that. So yeah, so we I heard about this on Martin Ball's podcast, and obviously I heard about Strassman, I heard about this stuff a long time ago. Um, and the thing that made me so interested in this is this: it's a it's a molecule, right? It's it's produced in your body, though. Mm-hmm. It's an endogenous chemical that we have in our body um and i'm not a chemist right and i'm not a phd in you're anything. not a scientist so i might not use all the right terms right so but, yeah. um <laughs> don't don't be sending us any tweets or private messages cr- critiquing our we admit we're idiots yeah um where was i you you started looking into it um you you realized that it was a chemical that was made inside of the body mm-hmm. and for me, once I realized that, I was like, whoa, this is like something that, it, it, you know, then I realized, oh, it's kind of safe. Yeah. It's safe to use. That's, and that know? was the thing. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm into safety. You know, yeah. I'm not a person who's necessarily going out, um, you know, with a wingsuit and jumping out of airplanes right. or off cliffs and stuff. I'm not, an, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. Have you ever tried meth? Um, and I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so I, you know, I am looking for, you know, relatively, 
safe ways to expand my consciousness. Mm -hmm. I don't even really want to go into like a sweat lodge situation because that might not even be cool. Right. So so I think I would do it, but like that's out of the boundary of what I have have considered in terms of, uh, you know, um, and and hallucinogenic. And and don't get us wrong. You're going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Leading oh, into yes. this. Oh, yes. There, to, to do DMT is uh, one of the more scary yeah. things I've ever it's done. It's definitely a, a leap off of a cliff. Yeah. Okay, anyways, let's get so, back to the point. So It's what? made inside of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly um, the focus of Strassman's work was on the pineal gland, and you'll right. hear him talk about right. that. Um, but it's also made in other organs of the body as well, right? Right. right. And he has uh, uh, several theories that are controversial, mm-hmm. um, and you know we'll get into that. Um, one of those is that the pineal gland releases a dose of DMT at the time of death, uh-huh. and at and the so, time of birth, and yeah. And so there's this idea that the dying experience is like a DMT trip because that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's an interesting aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but. What it is that people experience when they have when they take this journey is that you're basically transported into another realm yeah. of existence. At least that's what level. it feels that's, like. That's the sensation. And one of the of things that I think you and make you and me different than a lot of people that are super into this stuff is that we're not going to sit there and say for sure, like mm-hmm. you go to another realm and like no. talk to aliens or some shit. Right. Like, it could very well be that it's just in your own mind. Mm-hmm. But but let me tell you something by experience, people. It fucking feels real. Yeah. It feels more real than this, actually. Right. You know? And we haven't actually done, uh, have, haven't had the experience of the actual in-in DMT. Right. And there's two different types of DMT. Right. I know we're fucking scattered all over the place, but hopefully people are <laughs> paying tracking attention. along. There's two different types of DMT. There's NN DMT, mm-hmm. which is a very visual, hyper, like, crazy experience where you go through different realms and some people like encounter beings. It's very visual. And um, there's a certain sense that you're kind of there though. Mm -hmm. Then there's 5-MeO DMT, which is even stronger. It's actually known as the strongest hallucinogenic compound on the planet. Mm -hmm. And it basically blasts you through all that business of you know, because when I first started thinking about doing DMT, I thought, I want to go, like, see all this crazy I want to see those elves. I want to talk. I'm going to fucking bring back an elf. And, you know, I was like, <laughs> that was kind of my mindset. Uh-huh. And then you started telling me about 5-MeO DMT. And right. I was like, oh, shit. Because once the more I looked into this, the more I realized, like, um, it isn't the NN DMT experience that I was seeking after. It was the 5-MeO experience. Yeah. Um, and it is uh, a not a visual experience no. at all. There's no, um, and that's it's that's what makes it really hard to explain yeah. to people. Yeah, um, I've heard it called a unitive experience with yeah. the divine. Yeah, um, and well, that's well, well. Let's get to like our own experiences with okay. it in a, in a in a couple minutes, and then we'll kind of get to what it actually felt like to do for each one of us. Okay. Um, what. what one of the things I was thinking was when you were telling me. I remember I was sitting out on my deck, and I was on the phone with you or maybe we were texting i can't remember and you were telling me about 5meo and how like basically you go to this place where it's like complete unification and blah Mm -hmm. blah blah and i was like going dude that doesn't sound fun to me you know that doesn't sound like something that i would be interested in Uh but um i was down to do it because that's what you were yeah looking at and i and i think that we were i was with you on the deck and we were smoking pot oh is that what we were doing (laughs) 
I think we were smoking some pot and talking yeah. about doing DMT, and we were in our mid to late thirties. Yeah, and I think what I what freaked you out is me telling you about like the toad venom. Yeah, and the different sources of how how you you get these big doses right. of DMT, and that's the other thing that we need to talk about is that DMT isn't only made in the human body. Right, it's also made in many, 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 many plants, grasses, bushes, trees, mm. and um. A couple animals. Yep. One of which is the Bufo, Bufo alvarius sonoran desert toad. Mm -hmm. And um, that is, toad is mo mostly exists in, uh, new, uh, in Mexico and then the southwest part of the United States, right? Arizona. In Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. And maybe southern Colorado, maybe? No, not really. I don't okay. think it goes up that far anymore. And okay. it, it used to be over a little bit in the California, but I'm not even sure because it's like one of those changing yeah you know the map changes on where you can find these guys yeah um and so this thing has like um these glands basically mm -hmm. and and it kind of goes back to you know the old uh myth if you lick a toad you'll have some sort of yeah. psychedelic it's not that it's if you lick a toad you'll get sick that's, that's where the myth came from yeah. the but myth came from this toad. the reality of the myth unlike the reality versus myth, even in religion, which is kind mm -hmm. of ironic, is that you don't lick the toad. You actually don't even touch the damn thing. You need gloves to touch the yeah. to touch these things. But they have these glands like behind their um, eyes mm -hmm. and on their legs mm -hmm. and on their like hindquarters, basically, right? Or yep. is there other ones that I'm not thinking about? No, that's and um, you basically pop these glands kind of like a zit <laughs> yeah. onto a piece of glass and then let it dry. Yeah, and that's like. That right there is the most. That's one source. That's one source and the most potent source that you can kind of. And get. the easiest um, extraction. Yeah, but you got to get a toad first, and that's. But yeah, you're gonna have to find one of those toads, and and by the way, it's illegal to do all of this yeah. stuff that works. We're not we're not saying people go out and do this. We're just saying if you did it, this, this is, is how, how it's it's done. We've heard allegedly that it's done, and. The um, from what I was told, the experience that we had. Um, was a mixture of many different sources. Mm. So it wasn't just toad venom. Right. The experience that we had was, was um, I, ha I heard it called the trifecta, which was a mixture of toad venom, yopo seeds, and uh, I think it was yopo seeds, and um, um, shit, now I'm, Some I'm blanking on the, uh, yeah, yeah. From a tree, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. So yeah, there's a few different ways that the, primarily that people come up with the extractions for these to get the 5-MeO. Yeah. It's not easy, you no. know, um, except for with the toad venom, so. You have to be a chemist basically to do it. Yeah, I mean, and I think it can be synthesized. And I think it, it can has be been done, synthesized. but it's kind of hard. And, you know, and actually I think it was, there was a time period where you could get you could buy 5-MeO from like these research laboratories oh, yeah. online. And, uh, but we weren't since then it's become kind of illegal. Yeah. So it was legal for a long time. Right. And then of course, like all other good things, all other parties, <laughs> all parties must come, to all an parties end. must come to an end. Um, but so, okay. So we're in our mid thirties and you tell yep. me about this and so then some years go by, uh, Dr. Strassman, that's when I get, that's when I get, um, affiliated with, not affiliated, uh, familiar, familiar with his book <laughs> yeah, and, um, get to know that. And then the documentary comes out. No, that, that wasn't until a little bit later. Oh, okay. Um, it wasn't until, well, it was before we did it. But, right. But it was a couple of years after his book came mm -hmm. that, well, his book came out a long time before I saw it, but then yeah. 
I saw his book and then a couple of years later, because I remember them doing like, um, they were trying to, to yeah. do the documentary. It took them a while to get the yeah. documentary. There were some bunch of reasons why they couldn't do it. But anyways, so then you start doing a little research online, trying to like maybe find people that know something about this. Right. And you, did you go on, did you start going on a, what was that one site called? Um, Eerowid? Yeah. 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 I mean, are you, are you wanting to get to how we got connected to all this or do we, you, we want to just, well, let's, <laughs> how let's, much let's, detail do we want to get? I, I don't know. Depends <laughs> on, okay. Let's not, let's not get into all the details. Okay. But you got, a, you got associated with somebody who mm-hmm. is a part of a community, basically of people mm-hmm. who do this. And we were able to set up an appointment, um, in a group mm-hmm. setting, a group setting right before our 40th birthday. Right. I mean, it was like, this is what we did for our th- 40th birthday. It was like a month before our 40th birthday. <laughs> if you have any question about like, if the stuff we do on this podcast is just normal, or are we just doing it as a put on? This is the kind of shit that we do. This is the kind of stuff we've always done. So you were able to get this, um, individual, mm-hmm. um, to agree to let us come to this yeah. session. Mm-hmm. And, um, Basically, what we did was we went to this, what we called the hippie mansion. Yeah. And there was a group of people there who obviously knew about this. And some of them were more experienced than others. Mm-hmm. And some were some. It was this their first time. Yeah. Like us. Uh-huh. And some people had done it many times. Yep. And so basically what happens is we were sitting in like a circle, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then. There's like a kind of a ritualistic sort of ceremonial opening to mm-hmm. the thing. Um, and then the first person goes. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, dude, when that first. Oh, wait. But part of the one of the things I want to talk about was part of the ceremony in the beginning is you kind of pass around the actual. Oh, yeah. Flower or not flower, but a, oh, like a vial of vial the, for of the, the crystals. First time. Yeah. And I um, and I smelt it and. I was blown away by the smell of it. Yeah. It smelled like, like the most beautiful floral mm-hmm. bouquet. Mm-hmm. And it, I was just like, holy yeah, shit. It smells like an amber or some old yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. And so, and also just, just, this, just smelling it. Yeah. Um, this stuff is so potent that just smelling it, you begin to feel it. Yeah. It, yeah. It's pretty, you smell it. And all of a sudden I started like, it was almost like a sparkly uh-huh. sort of essence or, in my in my vision uh-huh. you know i was like oh shit i almost thought oh did i just like get lightheaded for a second or yeah. something and so we get to the point of when the first guy was gonna go mm-hmm. and there was about six people i think in our yep. group right and i'll never and you go one at a time this yeah. isn't a thing that everyone does at the same time you can't do it at the fucking, same time no because um, because it is definitely a very intense type of experience yeah and so you go one person at a time and the what, what we did in this group was there was one person basically laid out in the middle of this circle yeah and everyone else was around them sort of sitting in meditative in the middle of the circle is kind of like a futon mattress mm-hmm. so the person who's taking it lays in the middle of this mm-hmm. futon mattress basically and um there's this basically apparatus mm-hmm. that you um inhale out of and you know, he called it the lamp of invisible light. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, if you've done this, yeah, you, you know, it's a great means. name for that. But, um, and then you basically inhale it and then you lay back mm-hmm. and then you just kind of let the experience unfold, you know? 
And I remember watching that first guy and I was like, holy shit, dude. Cause it, it was kind of an emotional experience for yeah. him. You know, yep. he went through every emotion that could be conceived in a period of maybe 15 minutes. <laughs> right. And I was like, holy shit. And I was like, I don't know what this is going to be like. And then I started getting, I mean, it was before that I was already nervous, but then I started getting really fucking nervous because <laughs> you see other people do it and you're like, holy shit, this is fucking intense. Yeah. You know? So then it came to, to your part. Right. And then, cause we had to volunteer to go next. It's yeah. just kind of like, who's going next. Yeah. And so then I think between you and I, we kind of figured because you were born first, you were going to be yeah. going through this experience <laughs> first. So you go up and then I actually sit kind of at where your head is yeah. and you, um, you partake uh-huh. and then you start to lay back and then go ahead. Well, the thing is, is as you're exhaling this stuff, it's so potent that it's, it's not like it slowly comes on. Right. You know what I mean? It's just fucking instant. Yeah. Instantaneous. <laughs> and, um, I think each time you do it, it's a little bit different, uh-huh. but describing the first time, I mean, I started to exhale and started to lay back and all I remember, since it's not a visual experience right. and the only way that I can explain it is using the words that I have. Um, I remember laying back and suddenly just understanding, mm. you know what I mean? Just having this sense of like, huh, total under total recognition and total understanding and total just like holy fuck Did, just so like in terms of your experience you you had like zero visuals at all that could be explained yeah in words, vi- right? zero i mean you could say that i sort of started to go black but it wasn't i didn't go totally black yeah. because the room is still there yeah there it's just that you're not there yeah. <laughs> anymore yeah so it's like it's very difficult to explain but um it's like, you know, I've, I guess I've said in the past that it's like you become the Buddha. Mm-hmm. Like just you are instantly no longer you. You are the Buddha. Yeah. And, and there is no you. And um, so there is no nothing to explain in terms of visually what I saw, what mm-hmm. I could experience. Um, and then you eventually sort of go into blackness and basically are gone you're yeah. gone um but that's just the first part of the the experience yeah. because the best part of the experience is when you um um suddenly begin to feel your body again mm-hmm. and for me and, and i know that you did the same thing is i would start like kind of you know pushing my fingers together kind of like f- touching my fingers mm-hmm. together and feeling my fingers and um and as I was, as I realized that I was coming back, I could sort of relax into this feeling of it. And it was so like, you know, if you've ever heard monks just do like, oh, mm-hmm. and just like sustain like a long note mm-hmm. like this, like that's the closest thing. Like if you ever listen to that kind of shit for a really long time and you get into this sort of like vibrating sort of mm-hmm. space, mm-hmm. um, and I was just in this total peace Zen state, mm-hmm. which felt like forever. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because there's, it's a timeless experience, but it just it feels like like coming back feels like it just takes 
like you're sitting there for eons, mm -hmm. right? Until you're suddenly, until you're suddenly pretty much back to your senses, and the whole thing takes like twenty minutes. But yeah. you just have this like, you know, on the way back is probably like half of it. Mm -hmm. You know, the first ten minutes is just like you're gone. Yeah. Um. But so it's really hard to explain. Yeah. Well, let me explain mine then. Okay. Well, first of all, when I'm sitting there watching you do it, you're laying back. And you just have this kind of like peaceful look on your face mm -hmm. right as you lay back. And then all of a sudden you just get this huge smile on your face and you have this kind of smile on your face for a while and you're just laying there completely and totally still for quite a long time. It felt like, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you started, I think you were like going, thank you. Thank you. Or something like that. Mm -hmm. What did I tell you you were saying? I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. I don't remember. I know that you said that when I first lay back, I said, it's okay. Oh yeah. It's, it's okay. okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. That's right. You're going, it's okay. It's okay. So this is the, like, you can have either a crazy emotional experience or you can have just a recognition. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you don't, you can't help it. No. Whatever you have, you have. Yeah. You, you're, there's nothing. Cause I don't remember saying it. it's okay. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and then it was my turn to go. Mm -hmm. You came out of it and you sat up and you were sitting there for a while and you were looking around and stuff. And then, and then it was my turn to go. We won't mm -hmm. go into all the details, but mm -hmm. And, um, and then I took it and I laid back and right as I, as, as I was headed back, all of a sudden I heard and almost kind of felt this like vibration behind my head. It was like mm -hmm. back behind my left ear kind of back here. And it was like, and it just kept getting faster. And this happened within like a half a second. Of course. Uh -huh. It was like, it was like a ramping up. And it just got, the vibration got so fast and I just went and exploded. And like, basically it seemed like I was flying, you know, it was confusing, but it was like, I was flying through space, I guess. And there was like, I couldn't tell if it was just like white lights coming or mm -hmm. like patterns or I, I, it happened so fast that it was really hard for me to remember afterwards, you know, but it was like, there was a feeling of movement. Uh -huh. And then all of a sudden I just went, into this like space of ultimate white light mm -hmm. and love and unification. Yeah. And basically I just felt like I was, I don't know what else to say, another word to say that can describe it quite so, you know, uniquely, but God, yeah. I mean, I basically felt like I was awareness. Mm -hmm. I was the awareness. It wasn't like I was Thad anymore. As a matter of fact, it was as if Thad never, not only did, didn't exist anymore, but never existed. It was like all, everything that had to do with anything on this planet, my relationships, all that stuff, it was, they were gone. Yep. And it was okay. Everything was at peace. Mm -hmm. And it was very still and very perfect and very clean feel. These are the, I'm just trying to use words that can yeah. kind of describe the feeling. Very clean. Clean, perfect, still. Yeah. Well, I heard one person use the phrase dazzling darkness. Uh -huh. Cause at first it's like you get this white light overload and then you just kind of dissolve into this space of nothing. Hmm. And that nothing kind of wasn't, it wasn't black cause black would be something, you know? Yeah. It was like, I don't know. It's like a field of nothingness. And then, you know, the time disappears. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, like, you're just there. There is no time. There's no, you don't feel this tick, tick, 
ticked like I always feel. And that's one of the things I realized by doing this was how in a hurry I always am. Because mm -hmm. as soon as I started to come back, dude, I wanted out. Yeah. I wanted out of yeah, this fucking totally. thing. And I, I wasn't struggling to get out, but I kind of just- You were ready for I it was to be just kinda, I couldn't wait for it to be over at yeah. this point. Because then I came back and I realized, oh shit, that's right. I'm Thad. Mm -hmm. I'm on planet Earth. I took DMT. Mm. Now I'm coming back. Oh shit. Oh good. I didn't die. Cause there's a certain aspect of it that makes you feel like maybe as you come back, you don't think of it until you're coming back. Yeah. And then you kind of think, Oh shit, did I just die? Yeah. You know, or, or was I, what happened? And then it was like, and then you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. I'm me. You can start to feel your body now. Yeah. You can feel your breath. You're still seeing like these weird pixelated, mm -hmm. it's like a pixelated field in front of you that kind of goes in and out of focus where sometimes you can kind of see the people in the room and the room itself. And then sometimes you're only looking at pixelated, you know, yeah. that, so that's, that was my experience hmm. and it was like overwhelming, dude. I mean, I went into that experience going, basically I was an atheist. Mm -hmm. I was an atheist materialist who basically just believed that the only thing that really exists is the material world around us. Mm -hmm. um, there is no spiritual world or anything that could even be called a spiritual world or a different plane of existence mm -hmm. or a different level of consciousness. All that was bullshit. And the only thing that existed was things that could be scientifically proven, right? That mm -hmm. was where I was at that point in my life, you know? And then I did DMT. And then I came back and I was still that way. I'm yeah. still that way, except for now I allow for the, uh, for the potential that there's something else that we just don't understand. Yep. It just, there's a different, there's more going on than, than we understand, I think. And that's kind of the, the change that it had on, on me. But then the best part of the experience for me was the weeks and months afterwards. Yes. Because I felt that, especially that next morning when I woke up, I just felt like you basically described it per per perfectly. It's okay. Everything's mm -hmm. okay. And there, and you almost get a sense that the fucking universe or whatever you want to call it, God, c consciousness, whatever you want to call it. I don't really care what label you put on it has a sense of humor mm -hmm. and, and, and is kind of laughing at just all the stuff that goes on in the physical dimension. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I say the physical dimension, I don't want to limit to even planet earth. Cause like, you know, this is something that easily could be, um, a universal wide thing where it isn't just our solar system, our planet, you know, I don't rule out the possibility that a simple molecule like DMT or something like it could exist on another planet where there are aliens than they can, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, they I could, know that sounds out there, there could, but there could be planets where the entire atmosphere is made up of DMT. Yeah. <laughs> like knows? that's how weird this universe I is. Um, but, but it seems bigger than just this planet for sure. When yeah. you come back from this stuff, and it really just gives you a sense of everything's okay. I just need to find out how to love myself more. Mm -hmm. And I need to just let go. I need to let go of all the shit in my life. I need to let go of the, the toxic people that are involved in my life. I need to let go of all the hangups that I have. I need to mm -hmm. let go of all the bad patterns and habits that I've been in. Mm -hmm. And I need to just kind of like accept myself for who I am. And, and even at the things that I don't like, and the th some of the things that I even do like and p maybe take a little pride in, I need to let that shit go too. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the whole process was really the biggest teaching moment that I had was just this idea of to let go. Yeah. That was definitely a big part of it yeah. for me. Um, I, I feel like it was such a life changing experience yeah. that it's, it's so hard to put into words 
but it's like you get a, a glimpse of what ancient cultures referred to as enlightenment yeah you know of what being the buddha is Mm -hmm. you know it's like you get to taste that Mm -hmm. and once you taste it um it's just like once you taste anything for the first time you can never untaste untaste it it. like (laughs) you know once you've had that experience um you have to find a way to integrate i have bitten into a turd before (laughs) <laughs> I remember you dared me to one time when we were young. Yeah, I actually, dried horse turds. I picked up a turd, and I will never forget that taste. Well, I did you it. You just too. can't. You I, can't forget it. I did it too. <laughs> that's right, you did. And I don't remember the taste as much as the texture. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, but um, a lot of people kind of liken the DMT experience to like a Buddha or Eastern mm-hmm. Hindu sort of thing. But Dr. Strassman is now moving into a different direction yeah. with this stuff. And he's written a book called, uh, what is it called? Just a second. It's called DMT and the spirit of prophecy. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've now listened to it on audiobook. Have you mm-hmm. listened to it? Yeah. And, um, it's, it's a lot to take in. So it's not like I remember a lot of it, Yeah. but, um, basically what he's trying to say is that ancient biblical prophecies that come from the Hebrew Bible, the old Testament, as we know it, Mm -hmm. um, possibly have a link to this chemical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's more like he's making a comparison, sort of a side by side comparison. Some things line up, some things don't line up to what he's calling Hebrew prophecy or, or, um, I guess that's basically it. Yeah. Um, and he's calling it prop like a prophecy, um, experience and then and then comparing the sort of trip reports from the volunteers and his dmt studies he's comparing that experience with the hebrew prophecy experience yeah and he's not necessarily saying that hebrew prophecy is is true or that the god of the the old testament is real but he kind of is he kind of is and i'm not sure and that's why i can't wait to talk to him yeah i, I, I definitely want to question him on on how, what he's thinking about all that now yeah and um so that's kind of it's going to be fascinating but most of the time you hear people comparing this to eastern philosophies and religions yeah. and now dr strassman is starting to compare it to um more Western kind of Judeo sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an interesting, it to me it's like, as I've listened to it, cause he doesn't really ever talk about five MEO. No. And I recommend people get this book. Yeah. Either the book or the audio book and listen to DMT and the spirit of prophecy. Yeah. Um, but also remember that he doesn't really talk about five MEO DMT and he's comparing the D- DMT experience to Hebrew prophecy and and I think that's it. There's some interesting. He makes some interesting comparisons. Mm-hmm. But for me, five meo still has more of a Hindu Indian, more of a an Eastern vibe to it. Yeah, almost more like Zen or Taoism. Mm-hmm. It's actually Taoism is is I think is to me what it lines up with. That's true. Maybe one of the DMTs kind of helps represent the Eastern. Yeah. And one represents the, the yeah. master. Well, there's definitely a, a range of experience. I mean, there. I've 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 heard people talk about how they saw Buddha doing an NDMT. So True. So it's well, and that's the it's thing. It's a clusterfuck, it's, people. It is, and I don't think it's def- necessarily cut and dry. Yeah, I think it's not that, meant to be defined necessarily, but that's yeah. just what as people what we try to do. The experience or the experiments that Strassman did, or the you know the uh, the volunteers that took it, they were getting 
probably a pretty pure dose yeah. of NNDMT. They're also being injected with it. Right. And most people who have DMT experiences, I, I get the feeling that a lot of time they don't realize it, but there's also 5-MeO in with their DMT. Yeah. And sometimes when you take 5-MeO, there could be regular DMT in with the 5-MeO because they a lot of times they exist in the same place at the same time. So yeah. um, I think... You know, to get the pure experience of one or the other is, I think, a, a good goal. Yeah. Um, but also remembering that most people's experiences that they relay are probably a mixture of the two a little bit. Mm -hmm. But but the uh, the uh, the volunteer reports from his his uh, research was straight up DMT. Mm -hmm. So I, that's an interesting. It's just you got to keep that in mind when you're when you're reading this book or listening to the the audiobook version of it that he's comparing it to Hebrew prophecy. Yeah. And um, the comparisons are interesting. I mean, he really he really does make some interesting points in this book, and I can't wait to talk to him to find out. Yeah. Like, are you really saying, are you theorizing that there is a God, like the God of the Old Testament is real? It, it, when I when I listened to that book, there was a part of me that thought that's kind of what he was doing. Yeah, I could, it was hard to tell. But, I mean, he he comes from a Buddhist background. Yeah. Um, but also, a, I think maybe a Jewish background. I'm yeah, not I sure. Think he's, I think he comes from kind of both. I yeah. Think I think he might be Jewish by birth. But what, instead of us just wondering, all right. why don't we just get him on the line and talk to him? Okay. So let's just, let's first of all, let's let's have a little muck with Chuck. All right. And then we'll go right to uh, our interview with Dr. Strassman. Let's do it. Muck with Chuck. All right. We're going to do the muck with Chuck this episode here in the studio because Chuck is here with us. Yeah. Chuck. Have you ever done DMT? No, I never have. Would you like to? No, <laughs> not right now. What, what do you think of? What do you think about it when you kind of have heard, you know? Well, I, I saw that video too, that documentary on it. That was pretty good. Um, well, I mean, what can be said other than man has been getting stoned like that from the beginning of time, practically? I mean, look at what the American Indians and Native American Indians have done over the years, mm -hmm. centuries. So, and I think you said that DMT is pretty much in everything, every yeah. living thing anyway. Mostly, not everything, but yeah. many things. <clears throat> so, Chuck, have you heard, you know, you said you watched the uh, the documentary, DMT, yes. The Spirit Molecule. Yes. Um, that was originally a book okay. written by a man named Dr. Rick Strassman. And that's who we interviewed for this episode. Yeah. So was he one of the doctors that did the tests in there? Is he, that was what he was the doctor. Yeah. Okay. The the doctor. All, right. All right. Yeah, so he was the guy who um, had to go through so many, jump through so many fucking hoops. And he actually told us um, what he, he told he, us the story of, of how, he, how he got government approval yeah. for this. And so he had to jump through all these hoops, get all these approvals have all these safety standards have what like a all pain these, in the ass it was uh, it was a huge deal that he had to go through to, to, it took years like a couple years now him. was he going through the university or was this a private thing it was through held the at the university yeah but he had to get um authorization by the government because the substance itself was illegal wouldn't the university be concerned about insurance? Well, that was uh, there was a lot of I'm things sure like was, that that yeah. he had to deal yeah, with. Yeah, okay. All kinds of hoops he had to deal But ev with. eventually he got the approval, and then he, he did uh, tests on dozens and dozens of people. So, you know, we've talked to you before about the, the DMT experience we've had, and we talked about it here on this yeah. episode. Um, but that was five 
MEO DMT. The, okay. the DMT that he was giving to his research subjects, his volunteers, was NN DMT, which is the shit that makes you see aliens. Yeah. <laughs> and, and ironically, I want some. And ironically, he said a lot of people see aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I and, bet and, they and do. And that was one of the things that actually kind of freaked, not freaked him out. It didn't freak him out, but it really made him go, whoa, this kind of wasn't what I was expecting. And it kind of made him take this shift in the way that he kind of thought about reality to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. Because then he started, he was kind of brought up a Jewish kid, right? Mm -hmm. And then he became a Buddhist. And then with all this DMT, and I, I'm not sure he might not have taken it himself. Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard him say I've he never heard it. it, but it sounds like maybe. <laughs> he knows about it. He knows enough about it. Um, but he now is starting to compare um, the DMT experience with ancient Hebrew prophecy. Prophecy. Interesting. Yeah. So that's the, the path he's going down now. And uh, and he just wrote a book about that called DMT and the Spirit of Prophecy. Soul of Prophecy. And the soul of prophecy, right, yeah. right, right, and uh, so that's what we're that's what we're talking to him about. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about it. Yeah. So do you want to go do some D and T now? Or no, no, no. Waiting. No, no. But thanks. <laughs> Maybe next time. Maybe. Luck with Chuck. So welcome to the podcast, Doctor Strassman. Um, how did you? Uh, I guess. I guess what I wanted to start off with is we already gave an introduction to you and told about um, the research that you did surrounding DMT. But I guess what we were wondering was how, how did you get the authorization to do the DMT research? And do you have any um, like interesting stories that kind of go along with that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it was quite a, a task actually. Um, I, uh, started the local university paperwork in September of 1988 and uh, you know that was not especially difficult uh, the main problems at the university level were issues related to informed consent um, because you know DMT is a schedule one drug and the definitions or you know the definition of a schedule one you know, drug um, include that the drug cannot be used, you know, safely even under medical supervision, mm -hmm. um, and also that it has, and, and also that it, uh, well, <clears throat> I mean, also that it doesn't have any you know, medical utility. Um, in addition to the fact that it's highly abusable, you know, so the highly abusable part I wasn't going to argue with, you know. Uh, but in terms of our ethics board, they wanted me to justify that I was giving people a drug that couldn't be given safely under medical supervision hmm. and lacked any known you know medical uses. You know, so um, I had to you know do some, I guess, you know judo in that uh, hmm. case, uh, explaining that if I ever got permission from the FDA to do this study, you know that would mean you know that I could give the drug. Uh, you know, safely uh, under medical supervision, and you know that at least uh, from the point of view of you know a research tool that the drug you know had some utility uh, within the context of you know medical research, you know. So I went you know back and you know forth with them for a few months and you know got permission. Uh, the uh, state you know pharmacy board 
you know, wasn't much of a problem because, you know, they were waiting, you know, for FDA permission, uh, you know, before giving the go ahead, you know, so they kind of, you know, gave a, you know, provisional approval pending, you know, federal approval. Hmm. Uh, you know, so the main, you know, problem, uh, you know, was getting federal approval. And, you know, that uh, was complicated because it had been almost 20 years since anybody had, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, since anybody had gotten permission to give these drugs to humans in uh, the U.S. You know, so, you know, there were just no channels of communication open between the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, and the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Uh, you, uh, you know, uh, um, well, after cessation of human studies in the early 1970s, uh, you know, there was a continuation of animal studies um, um, and in order you know, to do animal studies with the Schedule 1, you know, drug, all you needed was DEA permission, hmm. you know, which was pretty straightforward. Um, you know, you, you know, they were just interested um, in, um, in, you know, the security arrangements of your lab, you know, but if you're doing human studies, you know, that requires FDA, you know, permission. You know, so I had to get the FDA and the DEA talking to each other, which was extraordinarily difficult. Um, and the main, you know, the main issue was, you know, trying, you know, to get a, you know, source of clinical grade, you know, DMT. You know, you could get, you know, laboratory grade, you know, DMT, uh, you know, to give to animals for animal studies, but human grade DMT you know, hadn't been, you know, made in, you know, 30, 40 years, uh, you know, so, you know, that was extremely difficult. Um, you know, finally, a colleague, Dave Nichols at Purdue University agreed to make the DMT for me, according to FDA standards of, you know, clinical grade, you know, drug. But uh, still, it was uh, pretty, it was really quite difficult, you know, to get, uh, you know, the FDA to tell the DEA, you know, that the study, you know, made sense and I ought to be able to get the drug to be able to put it through its paces to establish its clinical purity. Hmm. And, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, do any of that in, un, until, uh, you know, possessing the drug. You know, so uh, I suppose, you know, the highlight of that whole, you know, process, you know, was, uh, you know, one day I was speaking to, you know, somebody at the DEA. And, uh, you know, she seemed like a nice lady, you know, but wasn't all that interested in helping and, you know, seemed a little confused as, you know, to what um, exactly I you know, wanted to do. You know, so at a certain point, I just kind of lost it. I, uh, you know, said, uh, you know, my wife's, uh, you know, like I'm really getting on my wife's nerves. I'm pulling my hair <laughs> and my gums are bleeding, you know, help me. You, you know, do whatever you can to help me, please. I've my wife's going to kill me. Year and a half now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife's going to kill me, and I'm not going to have any teeth left. You know, so uh, you know, the poor lady sounded kind of, you know, she sounded kind of nervous and you know, kind of apologetic, like, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, you know, let me see what I could do." You know, so I, you know, heard her pulling her you know chair back from the desk, and you know, she walked over to her you know bookshelf, I guess, and. Uh, you know, came back to the phone and said, "Oh, oh, I just you know found this thing called an incidental, an incidental manufacturer. You know, something to that effect. You know, like if you make a small batch of a drug, you don't have to go through the manufacturing hmm. you know, regulations. Hmm. You know, like if you're a major drug company. 
You know, so she said, oh, you know, I think we could, you know, do this. Dr. Nichols can make a small batch of the drug um, uh, under this regulation. You know, so that kind of, uh, you know, finally broke open the, you know, the doors to get, you know, the DEA, uh, uh, you know, to allow Dave to make the drug, in which case I could get it and then make certain it was good enough to give to humans. Hmm. Nice. It's quite the process. You know, so it was a two-year process, you know, basically. So two- it, it, it was quite the process, you know. Yeah, it, it was a two-year process. Wow. So how did you um, get the volunteers? Um, well, you know, they were, uh, you know, mostly my friends. You know, the first, you know, group of volunteers were, uh, you know, were my, you know, local Albuquerque and, you know, Santa Fe friends who had been rooting for me from the sidelines for a mm-hmm. few years. Nice. You know, so they were kind of lined up and you know, ready to go once oh, yeah. uh, the study got started. Well, well, so that was the first group for the first protocol, the first research study, which involved 12 to 13 people. Um, and, and you know, subsequent studies, you know, we used a hand, you know, full of the original cohort of volunteers. But uh, after the first study, we just kind of, uh, you know, just friends of friends or word of mouth. I put a... a uh, well, I uh, um, I placed an advertisement in uh, you know the college newspaper, um, you know. So uh, you know, after the first study, I had to uh, extend you know the reach of our recruiting a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Did they? Did many of the people have, or any of them, have any experience with the DMT before the actual study that you know of? Yeah, uh, a couple of people in the original cohort had smoked DMT before. I think three of them. No, I think two of them had. Um, and in uh, future studies, like a small number had. You know, but I only included people with experience using you know psychedelics in uh, general. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the most common, you know, obviously was either mushrooms or LSD. You know, because if you're you know, asking, you know, somebody, you know, to participate in a study, the issue of informed consent is critical. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think it was a good idea to recruit, you know, uh, completely naive, you know, yeah. volunteers because uh, it would be impossible to expect, you know, them to be, you know, fully informed as to what to expect. Yeah. You know, you could tell people, you know, with, you know, some experience with, you know, psychedelics, well, it's, you know, like an LSD study or it's like an LSD experience packed into 15 minutes, you know, but if you've never taken LSD before, you have no idea, you know, what that means. Yeah. So the people that tried DMT, that had smoked DMT before the study, did they, do you remember them talking any differences between the intravenous uh, application of it and the smoking of it? Because I know in your study you did intravenous, right? Right, right. The first couple of you know people we you know tried the intramuscular route, but that was a little too slow, hmm. um, and you know wasn't quite as intense as the smoked uh, experience, which I was trying to replicate in mm-hmm. uh, the lab. You know, so then we switched over to giving it intravenously. Um, yeah, you know, th- uh, the people who had smoked DMT before described you know the onset of giving it intravenously. As just ever so slightly, you know, faster, okay. you know, than oh, the wow. smoked root. Okay. 
So um, we, we've already talked a little bit about DMT in the intro to this, um, but we're just a couple idiots. So I guess what we wanted to do is go through like a DMT 101 with you and have you kind of explain to our listening, listening audience kind of what DMT is and, and what it does. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what, what is a tryptamine? Well, yeah, you know, so DMT stands for dimethyltryptamine. Uh, and you know the tryptamines are a, a you know family of you know drugs. Uh, you know there's a you know number of you know tryptamines out there in the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom. Um, you know serotonin is a tryptamine. You know melatonin is a tryptamine. You know DMT is a tryptamine. Uh, you know LSD, in you know some ways is a tryptamine as well. You know so as I began. You know so the tryptamine you know nucleus you know so to speak is a benzene ring and an indole ring. Uh, you know, six carbons and, you know, four carbons and a nitrogen. Um, you know, one is the indole, one is the benzene ring. And you combine them together and you get the tryptamine nucleus. Um, you know, so it's a, you know, type of, you know, chemical which is ubiquitous throughout nature. Um, you know, so DMT, uh, you know, you could call it a, you know, chemical cousin of uh, serotonin and of melatonin. Um, it uh, occurs, uh, you know, throughout the animal kingdom. Kingdom. Um, every animal which has been studied, you know, contains DMT, and the main, you know, source of DMT in, um, well, uh, within mammals is uh, the lungs. It was just, you know, recently discovered that it's also, you know, made in the pineal gland, or it's discovered in the pineal gland. Um, it's, you know, found in the pineal. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, it's, <clears throat> it, it, it isn't yet established that it is, you know, made in the pineal. You know, but there is no DMT in the brain to speak of. You know, so if it's you know found in the pineal and it's not you know found in the brain, it's most you know likely made in the pineal as well. Mm. Um, it occurs in you know hundreds, if not thousands, of plants. Um, it, it was first you know synthesized in a lab in Canada in uh, the 30s, but it was you know kind of you know put on the shelf. Nobody really knew much about it. Um, and, you know, then it was, you know, discovered in, you know, psychedelic, you know, plants you know, from the Amazon in the 40s. And um, in uh, the Hungarian laboratory of a psychiatrist in Budapest named Steven Zara, um, he was trying to get LSD, you know, for his own research, but he couldn't because it was behind the Iron Curtain at the time. You know, so he, you know, so he went to the library, looked around, and he's, you know, kind of discovered DMT, and you know he made some, and uh, he swallowed ever increasing amounts of it, and it was you know non psychoactive, hmm. and uh, he you know kind of hit upon the idea of injecting it into himself, you know. So you know he discovered the you know psychedelic you know properties of DMT hmm. in uh, the 1950s in in uh, you know, Budapest. You know, so, you know, he, you know, did some human studies. It was, you know, kind of an obscure compound at the time, but it became a lot more, you know, popular and uh, a, you know, focus of, you know, scientific inquiry um, in uh, the 1960s after it was, you know, discovered in, you know, tissues of, you know, mammals, including humans. You know, so then the, you know, search was on, you know, for, you know, trying to determine, you know, some relationship between, uh, you know, naturally produced, you know, DMT and, uh, you know, psychosis, uh, mm -hmm. you know, specifically schizophrenia. Mm. Uh, you know, people were, you know, thinking, well, perhaps schizophrenics make too much DMT um, or, or, you know, they respond to DMT, you know, differently than normals do. 
uh, you know, maybe if you can, you know, blockade either, you know, the production of natural DMT or its effects, you might be able, uh, you know, to reduce, you know, psychotic symptoms in, in uh, you know, psychotic patients. You know, so there is a huge flurry of interest in, uh, you know, the role of DMT in psychosis. You know, it was interesting. You know, nobody was all that keen on investigating the relationship between naturally occurring DMT and, uh, you know, non-pathological altered states like dreams or meditation or near-death states. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the emphasis was purely on psychopathology. Mm. You know, so, um, you know, there were some interesting studies done. Um, you know, the technology wasn't quite, you know, um, you know, capable of answering a number of the questions which were posed at the time, uh, you know, before all of this human research was, uh, you know, terminated. So uh, it, you know, remained a, you know, relatively obscure, you know, drug of abuse. You know, Terrence McKenna popularized it. You know, Tim Leary and, and you know, his group wrote some about it. Uh, you know, ayahuasca, you know, was you know, kind of off the radar um, at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, so Terrence, you know, popularized it quite a bit. Our studies at UNM popularized it, um, you know, some more, you know, and, you know, then with the advent of all this ayahuasca, uh, you know, tourism and the churches, ayahuasca churches, you know, DMT has become a lot more uh, of a mainstream sort of meme. Yeah. You know, it isn't as, you know, popular, you know, let's say as LSD or, you know, psilocybin, but... Uh, you know, it's, uh, um, well, a few months ago, uh, a Australian anthropologist, you know, published a book on the cultural history of DMT. Um, his name is Graham St. John. Uh, and uh, it's a you know, fascinating book. It's a, it's a tome. And uh, hmm. it's, you know, really quite, uh, you know, astounding the degree to which the DMT, you know, meme has kind of penetrated the popular culture in the mm -hmm. last, uh, you know, 10 or 20 years. Does this book mostly cover the just the last couple decades or is it over longer history? Um, it kind of, you know, begins with Bill Burroughs and Allen Ginsberg and the Yahe oh, letters, okay. which um, I, th I think came out in the 60s, maybe. Yeah, you know, so the last, you know, 50 years, I guess. Yeah, you know, kind of dates me when I think, well, 10, 20 years ago, that was the 60s. <laughs> yeah, that's how we feel about the 80s. <laughs> so what is... Uh, oh, right, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> what is DMT's purpose in the human body then? What, what does it do? Why, why is it there? Why is it there? Um, well, you know, you, you know, you can speculate and... and and, you know, uh, one is always free to speculate uh, as long as you make certain to let people know you are speculating that it isn't established, you know, data. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, there are some data out there. Uh, you know, DMT is made in the lungs. It, you know, seems like it's, you know, made in the pineal. Um, it seems as if it increases as a result of stress uh, in the rodent anyway. Um, it is present at, you know, birth in the rodent, you know, so uh, it, you know, seems like it's an essential, you know, part of, you know, normal, you know, physiology. You know, there's an interesting, you know, set of studies came out of Japan, you know, quite a while ago, which were kind of replicated in Brazil, uh, maybe a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, those data indicate, you know, that DMT is actively 
transported into the brain using energy. Um, and, uh, you know, there are only a, a handful of, you know, substances which the brain treats that way. They, you know, tend to be, uh, you know, compounds that the brain, you know, needs for normal function, um, which it's unable to synthesize on its own. Things like blood sugar, you know, glucose, and, uh, you know, some amino acids which are required for protein synthesis in the brain. You know, so DMT is, you know, is, you know, treated that way. Um, you know, as if it's an essential, um, you know, component required for normal brain function. Mm. You know, so when you think about, you know, normal brain function, that's, you know, normal consciousness. You know, so it, you know, seems as if, you know, DMT is required for normal, you know, consciousness. Okay. You know, so you can speculate, you know, that if the brain is absorbing too much, you know, DMT, then, you know, things become psychedelic. Um, and if the brain isn't exposed to enough, uh, you know, DMT, then things, you know, may become flat and gray and, you know, two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. You know, the concentrations of DMT in the blood are extremely low, you know, billionths of a milligram or, you know, billionths of a gram per milliliter. You know, so we still don't really know what, you know, causes, you know, DMT levels to go up or, you know, to go down or if, Certain people have, you know, higher levels or lower levels. Um, you know, so, you know, so the genes and you know the enzymes and you know which are responsible for DMT synthesis are probably going to be the more, you know, sensitive, you know, ways of being able, you know, to determine the activity of the DMT system. Mm-hmm. You know, so in addition, you know, to DMT, you know, seemingly, uh, you know, being quite important. Uh, and you know normal brain uh, you know function um, are some data which uh, you know came out of um, you know Nick you know Cozy's lab in uh, Madison, Wisconsin the last few years, which um, uh, you know demonstrate that the um, activity of the gene and the presence of the enzyme which are responsible for you know for DMT you know synthesis are quite active in the retina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, you know, seems as if, you know, uh, um, you know, besides, you know, general consciousness, you know, having something to do with normal DMT levels, it also may be that visual perception is, you know, mediated by, um, you know, the activity of the DMT system, mm-hmm. you know, so DMT, you know, seems to be, you know, intimately connected to, you know, visual perception and, you know, consciousness in general. You know, I speculate about, you know, DMT, you know, being, you know, somehow responsible or, you know, somehow involved in, you know, non-ordinary states of consciousness, like, you know, near-death states, you know, meditation. In my new book, I, you know, speculate that it, you know, you know, might be um, involved with prophetic experience as described in the Hebrew Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, these are are, are speculative hypotheses, but, uh, you know, they're based on data. You know, they're based on, you know, you know, comparing the DMT state, you know, to other, you know, non-drug-occasioned you know, um, altered states of consciousness. You know, um, also, you know, these speculations are, you know, based on, you know, what we know about the you know, physiology of DMT. So do, do you know if there's any, um, like, 
has any studies been done with people who have no vision, like blind people, when they take DMT, if they have any sort of different sort experience? Like, can they actually see things? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of times a year, somebody will ask me that question, yeah. and uh, I just don't have any, you know, good information. Um, you know, one of our DMT, you know, volunteers was legally blind, but you know, she was sighted at birth. Okay. You know, so, you know, so she just, you know, uh, you know, um, you be- became legally, you know, blind as an adult, and you know, uh, you know, so. Uh, you know, her experiences were as, you know, visual as anybody else's. Mm. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, in the, you know, 1950s, early 1960s, you know, there were some studies giving LSD to people blind from birth. But, you know, those were not that enlightening uh, reports. You know, you really can't you know, tell, you know, what actually happened, um, you know, to the volunteers, you know, they talked about, you know, flashes of light, but, you know, they really didn't, um, you know, go into detail with, uh, you know, kind of a careful clinical interview of their volunteers. Um, you know, people, uh, you know, take ayahuasca a lot more commonly, you know, than they use or smoke DMT, Mm -hmm. you know, so I would expect, you know, you know, there would be some, you know, some anecdotal reports about, you know, people blind from birth who have had ayahuasca or have smoked DMT, but, uh, you know, none of those have, you know, uh, you know, none of those uh, reports have yet to cross my desk. Uh-huh. I, 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 well, well, you know, that would be an interesting, you know, call to put out on yeah. Facebook or, you know, one of these, uh, you know, DMT, you know, forums is, you know, does anybody know of, or you know, does anybody have firsthand experience being blind from you know birth and uh, experiencing DMT? But you know, so far, but you know, so far, nobody has done that. Hmm. So I guess um, so. We've talked a little bit about DMT and what it is, but um, now I want to get into a little bit more about the actual experience itself. So can you go through just kind of what happens when a person takes DMT? Um, yeah, uh, well, yes, well, so, uh, well, so I can, you know, describe what it, you know, typical, uh, experience is like after getting, uh, you know, after getting intravenous DMT, um, which is, you know, uh, you know, the route of administration, you know, for our study, um, you know, you know, so we gave the drug over the space of around, you know, 30 seconds. Uh, you know, through the vein, and you know, then I would flush, you know, the line with another, you know, few cc's of sterile, you know, saline to, you know, you know, to kind of get it all um, into the bloodstream. You know, so the, uh, you know, the infusion itself would, would you know, take under one minute. Um, you know, by the time I was completing the injection of the DMT itself, maybe at the you know, 20 second point, you know, 25 second point, uh, you know, people would start to, you know, feel the effect and, you know, they were certainly, you know, you know, be, you know, quite under the influence within a minute of me, you know, beginning the injection, like just a few seconds after completing the flush. You know, you know, so the first experience or, you know, the first, you know, thing that you notice is, you know, some inner tension, 
and you know some acceleration um you know like you know mental acceleration of a feeling uh of inner pressure uh and if you have and if you've got your eyes open you know the room starts to become pixelated and you know you know breaks up you know visually you know most people would you know close their eyes early on and uh after a few weeks of our study we started putting eye shades on people because you know they were kind of uh startled at the rapidity of uh, the onset of the effects and would open up their eyes and would get confused because you know the visions would over you know um would overlay you know the room itself um you know so if if you you know, put eye shades on, and you know, people open their eyes; they would still be black, and mm. you know, they would, uh, you know, be um, encouraged, you know, to, um, you know, to focus inwardly. Uh, you know, you know, so the visions, or you know, the kaleidoscopic display of you know visual um, effects, you know, would begin uh, at around the you know one minute point. You know, there would be um, an increasing, you know, sound as well, like a, you know, wah-wah sound or, a, you know, crinkling, you know, crackling kind of sound or like a high-pitched, you know, kind of whine, you know, sound. You know, so that would, uh, you know, kind of uh, climax at around a minute or, you know, 90 seconds. Um, and, you know, that would, you know... Uh, would also coincide would would coincide with the separation, uh, or you know the seeming separation of of one's consciousness, you know, from the body. Mm. You know, so, you know, so we, um, you know, so in response to the higher doses of DMT, uh, most everybody, uh, you know, reported that their consciousness, you know, left their bodies. You know, so then they would enter into this world of light. Um, you know, their consciousness would enter into this world of light anyway, at around the you know ninety second point, and uh, it would be completely captivating. Uh, you know, the light would be you know brighter, more deeply you know saturated than anything you know they had ever seen in everyday reality. Um, you know, the sound would you know you know would by then have usually dissipated. Um, you know, there's you know you know some anxiety early on, you know, because of you know the rapidity of um of the onset. But if you could work through that anxiety, you know, you know, then oftentimes it was either extremely ecstatic or you know sometimes even you know kind of strangely without much you know much emotion. You know, you're just observing this astonishing display of colors you know then you know rather frequently you know the colors would you know well you know on the rapidly moving morphing you know buzzing display of you know kaleidoscopic visions would coalesce uh into more recognizable objects uh you know sometimes you know uh you know there'd be you know scenery uh, architectural, small scale, large scale. Um, you know, some people viewed planets and star systems. Um, others went inward. You know, they saw their DNA. Um, other people encountered beings. These, uh, you know, these you know seemingly in, intelligent, you know, s- you know sentiencies, which were uh, extraordinarily you know powerful. Um, 
you know, they were conscious of the volunteer. The volunteer was, you know, conscious of them. And, you know, there was, uh, you know, uh, interaction uh, between the beings and the volunteers. Uh, there'd be an exchange of information. There'd be, you know, qu- you know there'd be, uh, uh, you know, questions and answers. You know, mm-hmm. you know, there'd be healing. You know, sometimes, you know, there'd be the experience of being hurt. Um, you know, things were done to the volunteer. Uh, you know, there was, you know, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, they were given a view of the future. Um, you know, all, you know, kinds of encounters, as it were, uh, between the volunteers and the beings. Well, you know, oftentimes, you know, people ask if, you know, they were like the aliens, you know, that you see, uh, on you know like with a typical ufo abduction experience you know but there weren't any of you know those kind of you know three foot high beings without a nose and a small round mouth hmm. and you know you know kind of uh well well the grays i uh, is you know how they're often described yeah. there weren't any grays <laughs> you know they were rep- you know there were uh, well you know there were reptilian uh you know like uh you know sometimes you know shaped like a tree or you know like cactus hmm. um you know birds you know mammals humans uh you know humanoids uh, um androids insects um you know some of them were completely unrecognizable you know kind of machine you know chimeras uh you know so it was all you know manner of these you know beings that the volunteers encounter hmm. in encountered and you know i would estimate that over half of the you know volunteers uh you know came back you know describing you know discrete entities discrete beings um and you know the and you know the vast majority of you know the remainder uh you know they also you know described an intelligence you know within the visions even if you know the visions didn't you know take on um you know, well recognizable or you know recognizable shape. Mm-hmm. So what 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 does a person get out of the DMT experience usually? Do they bring back some sort of I don't know enlightened um, information or breakthroughs with their psyche or anything like that? Um, well, the most remarkable or you know the most you know common uh, thing that you know people would you know bring back. Um, was a conviction of uh, the reality of, you know, the DMT world. Um, in you know, contrast to other psychedelics like, uh, you know, like LSD or, you know, psilocybin, um, you know, where you still, you know, maintain this, you know, separation of yourself and, you know, the drug state, you know, the DMT state is, uh, you know, felt to be... Uh, quite convincing uh, even you know well it you know it was described as being as real if not you know more real than everyday reality you know so you know people you know return with the conviction you know that there is a you know parallel level of reality out there uh which is you know uh, you know separated by just a few you know seconds as it were you know mm-hmm. from this reality ongoing uh, freestanding, you know, kind of, you know, parallel in, uh, you know, nature to this level of reality. Um, and, you know, they came back describing it quite, you know, in an extremely detailed manner. 
with respect, you know, to, you know, to the information that they extracted, though, you know, from the state, like, you know, religious insights, spiritual insights, you know, theological, you know, scientific breakthroughs, you know, those kinds of things, you know, that was kind of lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they were more, I think, uh, you know, personal ones, like, you know, people resolved, uh, you know, traumatic issues, or they, you know, had some more, you know, um, understanding of their personalities or of, you know, their relationships or of their career or their future goals. Um, you know, so I would say, you know, you know, those are more, you know, um, you know, things which, you know, which, uh, you know, they brought back of a psychological nature, you know, rather than, um, a spiritual one. And, you know, the lack of, you know, um, you know, more, you know, substantial kind of information that the volunteers, uh, you know, returned with, uh, you know, got me, you know, thinking about, you know, the models one, you know, uses, you know, to understand and extract information, integrate and communicate what is, you know, contained in the DMT state, you know, because it's quite uniform that, you know, people report, well, it's, you know, you know, full of information, you know, you know, but at the same time, you know, people were, struggling to communicate with the beings to understand what the beings were telling them to make you know sense of what that information was which is contained in the DMT world you know so that kind of uh was um one of the impetuses which you know led me to start you know looking at other models for extracting um you know the in um you know the information which, uh, you know, seemed embedded in uh, the DMT state, you know, leading me to start, you know, looking at the, you know, model of, uh, you know, the prophetic experience as uh, contained in the Hebrew Bible. Mm-hmm. We wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. We both have uh, listened to your, your new book, the uh, DMT and the, the Soul of Prophecy. Prophecy. And uh, we, we both have the audio book. We listen to that. And um, what would you say the the main message or the goal of this book is? Um, it's a it's, you know, kind of, a, you know, travelogue, as it were, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, describing, you know, my thinking after I completed, you know, the DMT work. Um, and, uh, you know, I just didn't, uh, you know, feel like I had a you know, good enough, you know, model. Uh, to understand what was happening to my, you know, volunteers and, you know, to help, you know, them, you know, come back and integrate and make, you know, sense of their experiences. You know, the three, you know, models, you know, you know, for understanding that state, which I, you know, brought to bear on the original research, all of all, all three of those, you know, posited the basic unreality of the DMT world. You know, the, you know, the, you know, psychoanalytic, you know, posited that, you know, these were, you know, simply, you know, representations of unconscious mental conflicts or unconscious mental drives. The, you know, psychopharmacologic model, you know, posited, you know, that this was just your brain on drugs. And the spiritual model that I had brought to bear was the Buddhist model, which I had been studying and practicing. 
uh, for quite a long time. Um, and, you know, that also, you know, proposed, you know, that the visions and uh, the voices were unreal, you know, kind of on the way, uh, you know, to the enlightened state of emptiness as opposed, you know, to the uh, state which occurred with DMT, which is extremely, you know, full and busy and interactive, you know, rather than empty and unitive uh, with, you know, just the white light or the ground of being, which uh, is the, uh, you know, desired goal of Buddhist meditation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so uh, once I uh, stopped my study, I started, you know, looking at other, you know, models to, uh, you know, see if anything was out there which would, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, be consistent with, you know, the DMT world being real. Uh, you know, uh, you know, perhaps <clears throat> as a result of a high, you know, dose of, you know, DMT, the receiving characteristics of the brain, you know, were altered uh, in, you know, such a way as to be able, you know, to perceive, you know, real, uh, uh, you know, levels um, um, of reality which were, you know, normally invisible. You know, so that, you know, led me, you know, to, um, you know, modern, you know, physics and its ideas of dark matter and, you know, parallel universes. You know, so, you know, those are interesting and, you know, might in the future, you know, uh, you know provide some, uh, you know, some useful, um, uh, you know, mechanism of action, you know, models. But uh, still, it didn't quite answer, you know, you know, some of the you know, fundamental questions like, you know, why does the body contain, you know, DMT? Uh, if it, you know, provides access, you know, to these normally invisible worlds. And, um, you know, what, you know, good is it for? Um, you know, so that, you know, you, you know, began to, you know, kind of uh, enter into questions of, you know, theology and, you know, philosophy, more spiritual oriented questions. So <clears throat> uh, I, you know, was, you know, thinking, well, you know, the spiritual, you know, traditions have been looking at, well, have been entering into usually invisible worlds uh, for a long, long time as well. Um, and, you know, besides, they've also been um, attempting to extract, you know, meaning, uh, you know, from those uh, states, you know, mm -hmm. rather than just, you know, purely describe them or understand, you know, how they come to be. You know, so I then began to, you know, to, you know, uh, well, I, you know, I then, I, you know, chose to um, use the spiritual worldview um, as, you know, the default, you know, position as opposed to the purely scientific worldview. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I had kind of, you know, looked at Buddhism you know, but it, you know, wasn't, you know, consistent with either the DMT state itself. And it also, you know, proposed, you know, that the visions were, you know, basically, you know, products of the mind, you know, rather than a, you know, perception of, you know, something freestanding on its own. You know, you know, shamanism, you know, proposes, you know, the reality of those spirit worlds, you know, you know, but it's, you know, got some shortcomings, I, you know, believe. It, you know, basically is, you know, coming from a, you know, pre-literate, you know, kind of culture, you know, so it wouldn't 
be quite as applicable, you know, to the West as it might otherwise be. And you know, they also, you know, focus on the spirits, you know, rather than, you know, the one God, as it were. Which I think, if uh, you know, one is, you know, to use a spiritual, you know, model for the, you know, psychedelic or the DMT state, um, it would be good if it, uh, you know, used the vocabulary and, you know, the concepts of, uh, you know, you know, the reigning paradigm, as it were. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, you know, then started looking. You know, within my own tradition, uh, you know, I was raised, you know, Jewish and went to Hebrew school and all that. And, you know, so then I, uh, you know, opened up the Hebrew Bible um, or the Old Testament, started reading it. And, you know, the notion of a you know, prophetic state of you know, consciousness began to dawn on me. Um, and, you know, that um, occurred because... If you you know read the descriptions of the visions of the prophets, they're incredibly you know similar to the descriptions of the visions of the DMT world. There's bright colors, there's powerful emotions, there's out of body experiences, there's insights, uh, there's um, you know auditory effects, there's you know you know physical effects. Um, you know, so all of those are extremely uh, you know, you know, they're extremely, uh, you know, similar, you know, to descriptions of what you know my volunteers described uh, as a result of getting DMT. You know, uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, the DMT, you know, volunteers reports, you know, they aren't, you know, going to be as influential as, for example, the Book of Isaiah or Jeremiah or Genesis. Uh, which are also, you know, you know, DMT-like, you know, so, you know, so I, you know, started to, you know, consider, you know, you know, what, you know, makes the, you know, prophetic books as enduring and influential as, you know, they have been, and it, you know, boils down to the, you know, content, you know, the, the, the states, well, the message, you know, the meaning, and the message which is, you know, contained in the prophetic experience, you know, the information uh, which, you know, the prophet um, uh, is, you know, communicated uh, and, you know, then, you know, shares with uh, the larger, you know, community. Mm -hmm. You know, so so it uh, began to, you you know, dawn on me that, you know, perhaps, you know, using the ideas that are contained in the Hebrew Bible, you know, the vocabulary, the concepts, the imagery, you know, that you might be able to go into the DMT state uh, with, uh, with, you know, tools to ask, you know, questions, to understand the answers, to, you know, to uh, extract information from the DMT state that you might not otherwise be able to um, if you weren't armed with that information. You know, so I then, uh, in this, you know, uh, in my new book, uh, you know, DMT and the Soul of Prophecy, uh, I, you know, compare the DMT and the prophetic states. I compare the DMT and the prophetic messages, you know, the information which is extracted in both of them. And, you know, then I, uh, you know, suggest, you know, common mechanisms of action, uncommon mechanisms of actions, you know, like, you know, how they resemble each other and, you know, how they don't. Um, and, you know, they then end up, uh, you know, suggesting, you know, that uh, 
if you understand the Hebrew Bible, um, you know, as a uh, you know tool or as an interpretive you know key to uh, understanding what's you know going on in the you know psychedelic state, and to be able to integrate the you know psychedelic uh, you know message into you know one which is compatible with the Western mind. Uh, you know that everybody, or you know, you know, people with an interest in the spiritual, you know, you know, characteristics yeah. of the you know, psychedelic experience, uh, you know, w- would be that much, uh, you know, further ahead. Um, you did a, a great job in your book making a, the comparison and contrast between the DMT state and the the uh, sort of Hebrew prophetic state. Um, what were some of the more significant um, similarities and differences between those two? Um, well, you know, the similarities were in the you know phenomenology. Uh, you know, the visions were quite you know similar. You know, like if you open up the book of Ezekiel, chapter one. Um, you know, there's spinning wheels, there's lightning flashes, there's, you know, uh, you know, there's a roar, um, you know, you well, the angel, you know, grabs Ezekiel by the lock of his hair and, you know, pulls him into outer space. Um, he's terrified. He falls down. He loses all strength. You know, the angel, you know, picks him up. You know, there's, uh, you know, beings, uh, with wings and there's eyes on the wings and there's legs which don't move but you know seem to transport these things around um you know so there's quite you know dmt like mm-hmm. um you know so you know that's the most i think you know you know psychedelic you know vision uh in the text is you know the first uh, you know chapter of ezekiel you know but daniel too you know there's rivers of you know fire there's uh, thrones, uh, jeweled thrones. Uh, uh, there's, you know, beings. Um, <clears throat> you know, so when I was, you know, comparing the DMT and the prophetic states, I, you know, began using the categories I had uh, developed in the DMT study. You know, the, you know, the phenomenological categories. You know, the visions and the voices. Mm-hmm the emotional reactions, the you know, physical reactions, um, <clears throat> you know, the, uh, you know, the uh, alterations in the will, you know, your, your, you know, volitional ability, <clears throat> you know, so, uh, you know, there is a striking correspondence, I would say 85, 95% correspondence, uh, especially within, you know, the perceptual, you know, realm, the visual and uh, the auditory ones, mm-hmm. you know, but as I was, you know, going on, uh, there, you know, seemed to be something missing in my comparison. Uh, and, you know, that, you know, missing thing, you know, seemed to be more highly developed in the prophetic state, you know, so as I was, you know, thinking about it, it, uh, became clear, you know, that the missing, uh, you know, category was what I ended up calling relatedness, you know, the interactions between the individual and the state and the contents of that state, you know, so, you know, then I, you know, you know, so then I developed, you know, a number of, you know, variables or, you know, factors which were subsumed under the new category of relatedness, you know, like helping, and healing, uh, you know, communication, uh, you know, harming, um, 
uh, you know, showing you know people things visually, uh, you know, doing things to the body one way or the other, you know. But then, uh, and yeah, and and if you you know compared you know the two states, uh, using that category, it becomes clear, you know, uh, you know that you know the relationships and the quality of the relationships between the you know figures in the Hebrew Bible and the you know figures or you know the volunteers in my study you know you know the you know the degree of complexity you know the you know and the different you know kinds of interactions were you know much more complex and more highly articulated in the prophetic state you know but in in you know both of the states the prophetic and the DMT experience you know the major you know function of the relationship was to you know was to communicate um you know to communicate information mm-hmm. you know so that then you know led me to uh you know to the prophetic message as compared you know to the DMT message and you know then you know it's quite uh, clear you know that the you know that the prophetic message is you know head and shoulders uh you know more verbal uh right. and uh you know more enduring you know more profound you know than the you know kinds of information which you know so far anyway um are extractable from the DMT experience so have you had any blowback from like the normal kind of people who like to sit around with their buddies and smoke DMT crowd <laughs> um as as a reaction to your new book because it definitely is coming at it from a different perspective. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You know, the tree huggers out there aren't real keen <laughs> on the Bible. You know, they kind of hate. Well, you know, they hate God, and they hate the Bible, and you know, they hate Israel. You know, so it's been kind of a tough, you know, nut for them to crack. Um, yeah. You know, but at the same time, like you know, a few months ago, I spoke to a group of students in Boulder, Colorado. And, you know, everything was cool up until I started, you know, talking about the Bible, but I'm, you know, kind of getting used to it, you know, so in, you know, preparation, like I went, you know, through the DMT work, right? Like I gave DMT and, you know, this is what it's like. And, I, you know, and so I stopped and I took a breath and I said, okay, you guys, you're all open-minded psychedelic types, right? So, you know, you know, so, you know, if you could, you know, hold in abeyance, your anti-God, anti-Bible, and anti-Israel raps, you know, open your mind. You know, you guys are, you know, psychedelicized, right? So that means you're open-minded, not closed-minded. So, you know, listen to what I'm saying uh, without, you know, kind of outrightly rejecting it. Yeah. You know, so I, I think I do a you know, pretty good job in the new book of, you know, in, in, you know, terms of taking people by the hand and explaining uh, you know how I, you know, got from injecting people with DMT to studying the Hebrew Bible, um, but, uh, but, but uh, still, uh, you know, people, you know, want to argue. Yeah. Um, I'm either like it's a bad model, you know, because you know the Bible's bad, um, <laughs> or you know, what's the need of a model? You know, you're kind of constricting, you know, something that is completely infinite. Or, you know, why do you need to put, you know, words on things? Why can't you just experience it? <laughs> um, what's the matter with, you know, shamanism? You know, what about Buddhism? Isn't this, you know... Yeah, well, you know, a few months back I spoke in Santa Fe um, and, you know, was, you know, kind of presenting my model. And, you know, somebody said, 
but it's not non-dual. <laughs> I said it's not non-dual. Exactly. That's right. Uh, you know, the DMT state is not non-dual. It's an interactive state. There's these things there they interact with in the DMT world. It isn't non-dual. It's not you know non-duality. Oh uh, man, you know the Hebrew Bible is the you know it's the you know paradigmatic you know duality spiritual text. Um, you know, God is not us. You know, we could become close to God. We can interact with God, but we never become God. Mm-hmm. You know, God is different than we are. But, it, you know, if you smoke DMT or you get an injection of, you know, DMT, you, you, you know, um, you're interacting with, you know, the DMT beings. You don't merge with them, you know, necessarily. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a relationship. You're communicating with them. They're talking to you. You're talking to them. You know, so um, it's not a religion; it's a relationship, right? You know, there there are. Well, that's right. That's right. You know, you, um, you're asking questions because you want to know things, and you're given answers. Then you kind of, you know, weigh the answers, and you apl- you apply them as you see fit and as makes sense. Yeah. You know, there are other compounds out there which give the unitive experience, you know, like there's a compound called, you know, 5-methoxy-DMT, mm-hmm. which, you know, more routinely gives you the white light of enlightenment, you know, kind of experience. And, you know, 5-methoxy-DMT is also made in the human body, you know, so it, it is interesting to speculate that, you know, you know, maybe the, you know, you know, the Asian religions uh, <laughs> were started uh, through the experiences of, you know, people who may have produced more, you know, 5-methoxy-DMT, you know, the DMT as a result of their spiritual, you know, practices. Um, you know, you know um, you, the, you know, DMT stage is the one that I was most interested in explicating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the DMT state is interactive and relational. You know, so if you're, if you're looking for a spiritual, you know, model which, you know, models the interactive relational state, uh, I think, you know, that the best one out there, uh, you know, oh, well, is the Hebrew Bible. That's interesting. Yeah, we were, my brother and I were talking about this, and we were actually, we kind of came up with the same idea that possibly 5-MeO kind of represents the sort of Eastern um, kind of mindset. And the, or approach, yeah, or approach, and the D, the NNDMT experience is a little bit more of a, like you say, kind of an interactive, dualistic kind of a. So how how based on your experiences and the you know your experience writing this book, how do you f- define God in uh, in your theories? Yeah, um, well, I you know kind of you know came to the uh, understanding of you know God, you know. Th- uh, as a result of all of those years of study of, you know, Zen Buddhism, actually. Um, and I kind of started off with, you know, the conclusion that, you know, God is the creator and the sustainer of cause and effect. Hmm. You know, so God, you know, created the laws of nature. Um, and, you know, the laws of nature apply to everything you know, to all of existence, in, in, uh, including humans and, the, and you know, the human mind. Uh, you know, so um, in, you know, Buddhism, you know, they teach that everything, you know, that everything arises, exists, and then passes away. But, uh, you know, you know, that would then imply that, you know, the cause and effect arises, exists, and then, you know, passes away. 
you know, so you're kind of discouraged from asking what came before and what comes after cause and effect, but mm -hmm. that didn't keep, you know, me from speculating about it. You know, so, you know, that's kind of, you know, how I first established any kind of, you know, um, any kind of, uh, you know, toehold for an understanding of um, of God is, you know, that God, you know, came before cause and effect, uh, you know, created and sustains cause and effect and will exist after cause and effect. You know, you know, clearly, you know, the use of the word exist when it comes to things which, uh, you know, lie, you know, beyond or more um, or, um, or out, you know, side of cause and effect is kind of a problem, but still, yeah. uh, you know, if everything, you know, has got a beginning, a middle, and an end, uh, you you would then speculate or you know, you know, believe or you know, apprehend you know God as you know as you know kind of existing um, outside of of um, of you know cause and effect. Mm -hmm. You know, the cause and effect is contained within God, uh, you know, rather than you know containing God. Hmm. Well, sir, we've taken you well beyond our allotted time slot, and I think that's a great way to kind of end it. But before we actually kind of tune out, why don't you uh, go ahead and give the listeners a, uh, a way to get a hold of you or to see more of your work or how to find your book? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, if anybody is interested in making you know, contact with me or you know, buying my books, um, you can, you know, you can, uh, you know, take a look at uh, my website, which is rickstrassman.com, uh, or you can, uh, you know, look at my, uh, or you could, you know, look at my, you know, page on Facebook. It's, you know, it's also just called Rick Strassman. Um, yeah, and if you order, you know, books, you know, through my site, I will, you know, sign them and inscribe them to you. Nice. Um, and uh, I've got. Uh, you know some videos on my uh, um, on my website. Uh, um, I have a YouTube channel uh, of my videos, um, and I keep you know people posted on speaking and engagements and you know book signings and uh, those you know kinds of things. You know both on Rick on RickStrassman.com as well as Facebook. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you, and uh, we hope to talk to you again sometime. Well, thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Great. Great. I'd enjoy that. Thank, thank you. Bye. Good. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Evil Twin Podcast. To get the full Evil Twin experience, go to eviltwinpodcast.com and follow the guys on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Evil Twin Podcast. If you really want to show your support, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts on iTunes. And remember, first of all, I'll see you next. I'll see you next.